by far and away, one of the most important things in my life and what I believe to be most important in many others is exercise. I don't think we really get an opportunity to develop a healthy relationship with exercise when we're young, when we're old (laughs) in our entire lives. So today's goal for our second episode of the Whole Healing Podcast is to learn how to develop a healthy relationship with physical movement, to really get to a place where you look forward every day to moving your body in a way that feels good and healthy and productive, and to steer away from these possibly dysfunctional attitudes, beliefs, patterns that we get into with exercise. So I hope you guys enjoy. I don't know if there is a more important podcast that I will ever do. So So it's just like a, like a cheesecloth almost really yeah. fine. And then you squeeze it out. It's, it's really good. Really Pistachio tasty. Pistachio milk? Really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, and maybe you might, maybe I'm biased cause I made it and all that, but I think it's my favorite <laughs> plant-based milk. Ooh, I love pistachios. They're really good for you. They have like certain nutrients that not other nuts have, which is why I, why I love them. And they're also like your highest carb nut, which I've, which I've heard. <laughs> mm. I did not know that. I, or I cashews. I thought cashews were high too. I don't know. They are. They are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Love. We love these nuts. Love nuts. Uh, can you can you hear us, Emily? I can. Yes, finally. I just totally reset my computer. We're good. Uh, okay. <laughs> Sorry about that. No, okay. you're fine. Well, I'm excited about our podcast today, guys. Um, we, Christy and I were talking last night, and she was like, "How about we talk about exercise?" I was like, "Hell yeah!" Um, because like I think like a lot of people think that you know because we're dietitians we like run marathons every weekend and it's just not true. <laughs> I don't know how you how you guys got introduced to exercise, but I was like actually like terrified. I was traumatized when I was a kid. I mm-hmm. I like um I, I remember our, our our gym coach Mr. D. I was in kindergarten and he made us run for the first time, and oh, I didn't yeah. know how to run, and so I ran until like I couldn't breathe and like my side hurt, and I was I panicked and I was so scared. And so the next morning, like I went up to my principal. I was like seven years old, and I was like, "Can you please tell Mr. D. not to make us work so hard anymore?" <laughs> <laughs> and ever since then, I was just afraid of exercise. So like when I started doing the incline, yeah. I would like drive up to the incline, and I get this like this piercing anxiety in my stomach. Like I was going to throw up. <laughs> um, and, and for like, for like probably a couple of years, I got that until I like had to uncondition myself to like not associate exercise with sheer terror. So, but now I love it. I, it's just, it just took me a long time to kind of get over yeah. it. Yeah. What I- was that? was that shift for you? Was there a spark or it just took time to find the joy? Well, I found joy like the first day, but like, I think like when you have like trauma, like you, there's like these associations and just like fear. Mm-hmm. And yeah. so it was just desensitization. I don't, I don't think I had to start with the, with the Manitou incline. You know what I mean? I could have done like gentle yoga and like eased into it, but yeah. <laughs> I just found so much pleasure being outside the butterflies, the kids, like the human interaction, like on the incline that I like, I just kept going back despite my gut wrenching feelings of getting there. So, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. If you're fortunate to do so and live in an area where you can exercise outside, I think that's an amazing motivator, right? And there's all these other kind of endorphins that you can feel when you're, when you're outside and in nature. Uh, Of course, that's not always accessible and available to people, but I I think it's, it's, it's easy to maintain easy for, at least for me, when I can move my body out in the outdoors. 
<laughs> yeah. You know what? I was finding something interesting because I don't know if you guys experienced this, but every this winter I had to go to the gym a lot mm-hmm. and do like cardio there because of my injuries. And every time I got in like an elliptical, I'd like pull my hamstring. I'd hurt my knees on the stair stepper or like the treadmill felt weird. Whereas compared to if I was doing something like outside, I was fine. So I was like reading actually like a research article that I pulled up that's saying like the gait that you have on these, like on a treadmill compared to outdoor running is a lot different. And Mm -hmm. that like, you could potentially like injure yourself if you do not train your gait properly, I guess, for the treadmill. Wow. That yeah. is very I fascinating. Hate, I hate machines. I think it's yeah. so unnatural. I can't stand them. Like I can't think of a worse torture than to like <laughs> work out in a in, in in a building on artificial equipment. And that's why I love like being outside. And even if it's, you know, even if it's just walking like on like on dirt, you know what I mean? Like you're there's a lot more ankle stability with that. Yeah. Um there is like on a treadmill or an elliptical. Mm-hmm. So that's that's good to know. Yeah. You're probably and- using a bunch of different muscles, right? Because you're moving not necessarily like back and forth. You're moving side to side as well when you're like on a trail. Exactly. Exactly. And back to our BDNF earlier this week, but apparently in sunlight, um, you increase your BDNF too. So yeah, I'm not sure the exact mechanism, but I saw it in a paper. It was like a study that they did that it increases with sunlight. So could be related to why we're seeing associations with like vitamin D and mood, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I love and the, the sun in the right amount, I think is very important to get, but you can oh, overdo yeah. it. It's funny oh. you say that, Jack, there's this trending TikTok right now that's going around that talks about what are the problems of each generation? And they talk about like generation X, they smoke a lot or they, you know, they did a lot of drugs, blah, blah, blah. And it comes to gener- um, millennials. How come we have really good skin? Cause we don't smoke. But we stay inside, so we're all we're always depressed. <laughs> yeah, and people are like talking about that. It's, it's kind of it's going around. It's kind of funny. I like it. Yeah, funny and sad at the same time. <laughs> yeah, gosh. Uh, Brittany, do you, do you want to share a little about your journey with exercise? If, if you like, because I know you you were a very competitive athlete, and maybe how that evolved. Oh yeah, I mean. I know last year I couldn't exercise for like a whole year, but I did, I tore my whole left hamstring. Um, and now the gift of movement has totally, you know, it's, it's such a blessing that people, they, it's underrated because for you to even, even be able to get up and walk, that's huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, having to go through that and even understanding that, and I just underestimated my ability to be able to move, to be able to walk. And now I, you know, I lift weights um, four times a week. And you're right about that, Christy. I remember going to, going to therapy. I had to relearn how to run. And, um, you know, my therapist, there's um, this whole YouTube series that I had to watch to kind of you know, be able how to learn how to run again. Wow. Um, but like exercising has really, even like my mental state, you know, we work so much in front of the computer eight to 10 hours a day, we do not realize how much we need to get up and actually go. Um, and then even counting the outdoors. I know like a month ago, I was telling you guys about doing the 75 soft challenge and I made it a point to actually go outside and run at least three times a week. Um, I've always been a long distance runner. So 
you know, four miles a day has, has always been my goal. I'm close to that, but, you know, also kind of enjoying my run. Um, you know, sometimes like, shoot, I want to get it under, you know, 10 minute miles, you know, nine minute miles. And I, you know, not going outside and actually enjoying the running and breathing. Mm. That's so beautiful. And, you know, um, yeah, the sunlight. Um, there's a trail like down the street from my house and I go there now. Um, I know I have a 70 pound, 70 pound English bulldog and I just, oh, last week he um, decided that he wasn't going to walk anymore. So I literally had to walk half a mile with him. My arm. Oh, <laughs> oh my God. Him in the ditch. He was oh so, he was so heavy and he just didn't want to run. He just, he just didn't want to walk. And I'm just like, I'm never taking you again. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's some functional weightlifting. Yeah. My God. Yeah. <laughs> I've got a pit bull and he like walks me. That dog has so mm-hmm. much freaking energy. He does double the yeah. hike. Wow. Yeah, this one, no. I was like, I can't believe you. Never again. Never again. <laughs> I love yeah. that. Funny. Funny. I, I think that that functional component though of exercise really is really important getting out walking mm-hmm. just walking the dog getting gardening, uh, finding a a sport as well. Like I know that's like a, a sport more for pleasure, right? As you get later on in life, at least for me, that has been that has been a lot of fun. Like rec leagues, you know, and doing that because then there you get the social benefits, right? There's yeah. a lot that comes with that. Um, just surrounded by such a ultra competitive environment growing up, and I, you know, it, it, in in some ways was was pretty toxic, sucked the joy out of it for me. So I had I had to refine, you know, that that, that pleasure. Well, and Jack, right. I think that Completely. what you're saying is like making such a good point, because I think that like, if you, if you always associate exercise with competition, with strain, with, you know, pain, then you're never going to actually learn how to enjoy exercise for yourself. And I think mm-hmm. that's why so many people really don't like they, they go to the gym and like, I don't know, like something I'll never forget. Like when I was learning how to be a personal trainer or, you know, my boss is telling me when you're introducing exercise to somebody, you like, are you guys familiar with RPEs, rate of perceived exertion, like scale one to 10, like how intense is this workout? He said, never, ever, ever for the first four to six weeks, get somebody above a three to five. And then you think about people who are like trying to get into like 75 hard after they've never worked out, you know, or haven't worked out Mm -hmm. in a year, like trying to just kill themselves into a a better body. And it's like, this is, Mm -hmm. this is a terrible idea. It's psychology, right? Like if you exercise and you feel pain, you're just going to associate exercise with pain instead of pleasure. Yeah. Yeah. And I think you're so right. Finding the enjoyment within it too. And I think, um, I mean, it's something that I've experienced too in my life and exercise and that journey, but like using it as a form of almost like punishment, right? If you like went out or you ate too much, you're like, well, I'm going to go run or I'm going to go walk or go to the gym for an extra hour. And it turns into this like really unhealthy cycle of not enjoying it because it's in your mind subconsciously, psychologically now this form of like punishment for yourself. And so I think trying to separate that and being like, no, this is to move my body and feel really good and endorphins and relax and release things is really important to like find that balance as well. I could not agree more. I think a lot of people have that mindset. Mm-hmm. I think that's that is more external rewards that you're that you're going for there. Uh, that external versus intern internal or mm-hmm. external versus in, yes, thank you. Yeah. Extrinsic versus yeah. intrinsic <laughs> motivation. I, that mm-hmm. to me is really important to know the difference of and. You know, yeah. if you're if you're super outcome oriented and you're maybe you're just exercising to 
uh, try to lose weight or because your doctor told you that you need to, or because there's pressure everywhere, um, you're not going to be able to maintain that. You're not. And you may, it may even be harmful to you in terms of like Mm -hmm. your mind and and the, you know, the stress that comes with that and the the shame about like missing a couple days. Yes. Yeah. And like the cortisol, the hormone component, like when you're pushing your body too much and you're really like, um, straining yourself, cortisol shooting through the roof. And so that's horrible for your body as well. So I think about from like a women's standpoint too, right? Like Mm -hmm. if like on your cycle, like there are times where Mm -hmm. it's really better to push yourself. Like during ovulation is like the Mm -hmm. best time because your estrogen's high, you're, you're anabolic, which means you're better able to put on more muscle. And then when you, you know, when you have like menstruation, like your, your, your estrogen is really, really low. And so like you, it's way better to take it easy. And so women get so confused sometimes because they can't figure out why they feel so charged and like ready to rock. And then they don't feel that way other times, but like maybe during those times, it's better to do recovery yoga or, you know, Mm -hmm. Pilates or something different because like, we're so dynamic, you know what I mean? It's not always about push as hard as you can. That's exhausting. Mm -hmm. And what kind of like pressure does that put on your relationship with exercise? Exactly. And well, I think also sure that you are, oh, go ahead, Christy. No, you go, Brittany. <laughs> I, no, I was just the, the mental aspect of it, you know, like the, when you're around, when you're watching social media, oh, this is what they do every day, or these are, this is what I do. You, you really, I, I mean, I went through that, you know, just to be completely transparent. It, it mm-hmm. mentally drained me because like, shoot, if I can't go to the gym and finish six steps of this, then I'm not going to go. And it's stressing mm-hmm. me out. Right. Because I'm like, well, I didn't go to the gym yesterday. So I guess I can just go to more for three hours. Who goes to the gym for three hours? Yeah. You know, but that mental, like, constant, like, oh, you, you missed the gym. Why did why you miss? And you're trying to, like, oh, I'm not going to eat this much or I'm not going to eat this because I didn't go to the gym. Mm-hmm. And that word reward, oh, I'm going to reward myself with actually, you're not a dog. I no, hate that. I know. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Yes, we use food as reward for dogs, not mm-hmm. for humans. And then oh, yeah. Yeah. Exactly. you've earned it. Like you don't earn food. Yeah, exactly. exactly. Uh, yeah. yeah. So you have to like take it slow and just mentally. Like me, I enjoy going to the gym now. I don't, I'm not like, oh, I'm going to do this for three hours. No, I'm going to do there, go there and do what I can. Mm-hmm. You know, not to, because when we are younger, like right, Jack, as an athlete, you will push yourself to injury to get yeah. to where they're wanting you to be, yeah. not where you want to be. So nice. I think it's just also a very mental as well. And it becomes emotional. Yeah. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. Personal. And like, I think piggybacking on kind of like what Jack and Emily were talking about in the beginning, like that functional, like almost enjoyable exercise that you can find, you know, that's something that I feel kind of at least personally for me, when I started going and doing more stuff outdoors and like Brittany, I used to be like, you know, big gym, but like would punish myself and be like, I need to go for like two hours, like that type of stuff, but not really enjoying it. And then when I started like trans, you know, moving more towards like the outdoor space, it was like more a viewpoint of not what I looked like externally, what I weighed, how my body was, but what my body could achieve like what I could do. And that was just such an empowering feeling as a woman to be like, all right, like switching that mind state to be like, I climbed a fucking mountain today. That yeah. Was yeah. Like, right. You know? Exactly. Yeah. Cause I've never been like a big, strong person in the gym, you know, and like my body's not built that way. And, or like, you know, I just think I do better in that outdoor environment. So it's natural, right? Just like climbing, yeah. hiking. Um, I, I don't know, like, um, even like kayaking, like water rowing, like all these things that are natural movements. I think that like our, 
I, I, you know, I don't, I don't have the research to show like evolutionary, how like natural movements are, are, you know, favored over gym movements. But I can say that like, you know, in the dirt, we have like my microbes, like it's not just in our food, it's in our dirt as well. And so when we expose ourselves to the dirt, we're exposing ourselves to, to, to micro, um, microbiota that like may be beneficial for us. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I like that. Christy, too. what you said, my body is, is not built that way. Amazing. Because people think that, oh, just because A goes to the gym, I should look like that. No. Some people are leaner than others. I remember I had a friend, she lost 60 pounds, right? And she wanted to be an NPC a competitor. Mm-hmm. Well, she first she wanted to do bodybuilding, but she's she's Asian. Ryan. So it's harder for them, you know, to build. No, it's just naturally mm-hmm. Asians are not really built to have muscle. And it depending okay. on what what area you're from right so she's she's vietnamese and um based on my experience vietnamese people are smaller they're leaner um they don't have a lot of muscle mass um like from where i am from the philippines northern people the people who live on the mountains are short stocky and built that's how you know and i and i used to tell her that maybe it's your genetics like well i'm considering you know taking some steroids i'm like just to build muscle really you're gonna go through that and she was telling me, oh, I'm, I don't get my period, you know, regularly anymore. It's affecting my mood. Exactly. Because you're not built that way. You yeah. can't, compare, your, your body is not built like somebody else's body. And we have this other friend. She's six foot two, lean, blonde, tall girl. She's, um, you know, her, her ancestors are Italian. Okay. Because that, those are her genetics. But you're absolutely right. My body is not built that way. You know, she's trying, she was trying to be somebody she wasn't and she was ready to consume things to make her look like other people. I love that, Brittany. And I think like along those same lines, like on the 180, I think like it's also important to say like, you know, there are certain things that people associate certain body types with, right? Like, so I've always been curvy, muscular, built. I've never been petite. And, um, you know, just all my whole life, I've been like, people have asked me like, oh, do you, do you lift weights? What, like, what do you do? You're really strong. And, and like, yeah, like I, I'll, I'll lift some weights and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do some of that stuff. But like, my heart really is in cardio. Like I, I love climbing mountains. I love doing cardio. And just because I'm not lean and petite to the same extent that like, you know, an ultra endurance runner is typically doesn't mean that I can't love running and can't do running um, and, and hiking and all these other cardio things. It's, I, I think we develop these like expectations, particularly in the world of sports. Like I see it a lot. Like you see like football players who are built. So you must be a football or if you're tall, you must play basketball. Like, it's just so silly to me. Like, why can't we just enjoy the activities that we want to enjoy regardless of our body type? Mm-hmm. Exactly, exactly. Well said. Well said. I think there's one, one question I want to throw out there because there's no, there's no denying like the benefits that come from moving the body, getting the heart rate up and just exercise, if you want to use that word on a regular basis. And so, you know, you hear like the, the recommendation of 150 minutes a week, you know, of modern intensity exercise, you know, how, how do we feel about that? Is that still a good kind of like marker to try to achieve, to get the benefits of exercise when we're talking about long-term health, you know, should we measure it? Um, just overall, because I, you know, exercise still is, is super important. I, it is, or just movement in general, but how, how much Why? should we focus on that? Why, well, Why is exercise we, important, right? Like that's the question. So I think we'll talk about the right, bone health, no doubt, right? It, there's a big player there, muscular health, 
uh, and then cardiovascular. In cardiovascular. Mm-hmm. But you want to. So, so what the way I see it is like you want to be able to like be able to lift yourself, right? You want to be functional. Like you don't have mm-hmm. to be one of those people that like lift heavy weights. You just have to be able to lift yourself. And so, like when people don't work out, they lose their muscle integrity. And so like, to me, it's like, you know, uh, adhering or conforming to like the status quo's recommendations of how much we should move our bodies is kind of like making the same cookie cutter textbook diet for all Americans. Like it's mm-hmm. like a food pyramid, mm-hmm. excuse my yeah. friend, but like, you know what I mean? Like how, how, you know, how in the world could we, could we do that? Like, and, and it's expected mm-hmm. to work for people. It's a good point. No, nope. yeah. yeah. That one size fits all approach is kind of ridiculous with food and exercise. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like a big thing is like meeting people where they're at, you Mm -hmm. know, I think to, to help, like, you know, finding that enjoyable exercise and like starting slow. Like if you're going to go to somebody that doesn't exercise and try to get them to do 150 minutes of that moderate, like, Mm -hmm. what is it? Vigorous activity Mm -hmm. that it's like, they're going to be like, no, they're going to hurt themselves. They're going to burn out. They're going to hate exercise. Yeah. Like negative implications for their future with like movement. Yeah. And we all have different goals too. Like maybe the goal is to bring our groceries in from the car to the kitchen, right? It can be as simple as that. Like how can we make your life easier through movement and like strength in that way too? I get a lot of like, I want to play with my grandkids and I'm like, I Mm -hmm. love that. Let's like, let's talk core, let's talk shoulders. (laughs) Yeah. Let's talk ankles. Um, but yeah, it, it should like the, the movements that you do should like serve you in the ways that you want them to serve you. So Mm -hmm. exactly. And there's like a thing with training, it's called like specificity of training that it's like the muscles and movements you train are the ones that are going to be stronger. So it's like, isn't that interesting? Yeah. It's funny though, but it's like, when you say it, it's so like, duh, but yeah, well, you got to be doing the movements that translate to that. And this is maybe a whole nother conversation, but like people like, so, and this actually is a pretty good topic. So like the idea that everybody hates their belly, right? Like everybody hates their lower belly. Everybody wants to lose that belly fat, but like what people really want is definition. And you think about like how, like most Americans just sit and inactivate their core for their entire life. And so it's like, well, okay, maybe you can't spot lose belly fat, but you can train your core and like gain and tone and definition by like working out your core. Like, and so like, I don't know, I think that more people like people just want to lose, lose, lose weight all the time, lose fat, but like, they don't ever think about building muscle in the areas that they want to see a better, like body composition, aesthetic improvement. in. And it's like, well, maybe if you did more core training, you'd feel a lot better about your belly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think social media doesn't do a great job, like representing um, like a natural body too, right? Like maybe when we wake up and we haven't had food, we haven't moved through our day, we haven't had water, right? You'll see some definition, but like you're a human being living life. Like you're going to be eating food. You're going to have some bloating, yeah. you're going to be digesting food. And that's so normal. And I think trying to like represent that a little bit more in the media is very important. Um, I'd love to see like a protocol for what like a bikini model goes through before she has a photo shoot. Oh I think well, I know they like de- does they don't, don't they like dehydrate themselves? Mm-hmm. Or they, like, pretty, like, the yes, it's like yeah. very. Mm-hmm. I would and be willing like, to go. And they're in such a crazy deficit, right? That if they don't like kind of reverse diet, if that's like the right term, like out of it, that like they will go like crazy and you can. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I've read some articles where models have talked about like they aren't menstruating, they've lost their period. They have no energy. So yes, they look great in front of a camera, but like behind the scenes, they're just exhausted and completely worn out. Well, and I think I've told you guys this, when I did my 30 day fast, I got down to like 15.9% body fat. 
and I still had a belly and I was like, well, gosh, like what, are, what is the average bikini model? Cause like they say that, like, what is, it? I have it right here. Like anywhere from like, um, 15 to 19% is considered ultra lean for body fat percentage. And then like 19 to 22 is considered lean. And then it goes up from there, but like anything below 15% is considered unhealthy. And so I was at 15.9% and I still had a belly and I was like, well, wait a minute. Like what, mm. is, what do I need to have to have like a, you know, like a, 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 a super model belly. And I Googled it. Average bikini models have a body fat percentage of anywhere from 10 to 14%. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So like That's now we're just promoting good. unhealthy body fat percentages yeah. as a norm in our, in our, in our bikini models, like yikes. And also like our uteruses, our hips, everyone's a shape differently. We're going back to the genetic component, right? Like some people, it goes back to like having a thigh gap. That's really just how your hips are aligned, right? So it's just, we're trying to achieve such unrealistic expectations based on such different bodies. Love that. Love that, Emily. Oh my gosh. We are so great. Celebrate (laughs) body diversity, please. Everyone. Love it. Love that's a good, that's a good note to end on. All right, guys. Thank you so much. I appreciate you so much. It's been great. That's